0: up, everybody. Welcome back to the Anna Creates Podcast. Today, I have a, an awesome, awesome episode for you. Uh, I, I got to talk to Brady Hogard from Sonido Software, and we had a really, really good chat about freelance, small studios, even large studios, and how they use Sonido Software. But we got a little bit deeper than just about the software, and it, we went more into the business side of things and got to chat about business and the shift of the industry in terms of how freelancers and small businesses and large businesses work, as well as just things that people can do to make their their businesses more efficient. Because at the end of the day, as a freelancer, as a small studio, and as a large studio, anybody creating music, if you want to create music for a living, you are going to have to run it as a business. It is a business at the end of the day. So, you know, he had some really good insight into the industry and how it's been going and also just some really cool things that he's seen while educating people and sharing Sunito software, as well as through the just the development of the software and just the people that he's talked to about the whole concept. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. We talk about a lot of great things. And just as a little uh, upfront, Sunito software is a, a studio management tool where you can manage your uh, projects, you can manage your clients clients. clients, you can manage your leads, you can manage your contacts, you can manage everything around being a creative person and making it your full-time business. So I'm really glad he got to come on the podcast and just talk about the overall business side of the music industry and the music business for freelancers and small studios and everybody in between, because frankly, we all want to spend more time creating and uh, Sunito helps you do that. And I think it's a great solution. So I'm really looking forward to this. I hope you enjoy my interview with Brady Hogard from Sunito Software. So, Brady Hogard, welcome to the Antic Creates podcast. So great great to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: You know, I, I want to get into talking about uh, Sunito software, and also I want to get into kind of the important aspects of the business and freelance side of things for smaller studios, especially in freelancers. But... First of all, I would just like to learn a bit more about you. what what's your backstory? What you know, you're in I see you're in a, a beautiful little studio there. you got some guitars. What's your background? Are you a musician? Um what got you into the music industry?
1: Yeah, you know that's that's really interesting. i I've been involved in music most of my life in in one way or another, like like many of us. And uh, I think, you know from my early days uh i used to walk around the house as a toddler and and a youngster you know singing songs and um just just try to be happy i suppose but uh use, music has always played a played a very important part of my life uh, listening to music growing up um you know whether that was um long road trips as a family, sitting in the back of the car and listening to my parents' old, uh, you know, 80s country hits, um, to exploring, you know, my own music tastes as I was growing up, it's always been a very important part for me. From, from early days, like many of us, you know, learning to play the piano a little bit was... Uh, probably my first experience really getting into music, learning the notes and understanding how it all plays together. And unfortunately, I didn't really stick with it. But uh, as I grew older, I had more and more interest in getting involved. And, uh, you know, I would say when I was, uh, you know, when I was probably around 13 years old is uh, when I decided that I wanted to do to play music. I wanted to play for people. And uh, my two best friends, they both were learning how to play the guitar. And I didn't know much about the guitar. But I thought that's that's what I want to do. I want to I want to be like them. And uh, I remember my first instrument that I owned myself was uh, it was Christmas time. And all I wanted for Christmas was an electric guitar. So I could play in a band with my friends. Uh, not that any of us knew what we were doing. But I um, I wanted a guitar. I didn't know anything about what made a good or a bad guitar. I just knew I wanted one. And uh, for Christmas that year, my parents, out of the JC Mac, uh, the JC catalog, they had purchased uh, a Strat, you know, Fender Strat style guitar. Certainly was not a Fender, um, but uh, uh, it came with the case and and the the neck strap and the or the shoulder strap, as well as this little tiny rinkadink amp. I don't know. It was just a a tiny, tiny amp. And uh, I remember Christmas morning opening all of that up and it was everything I had dreamed it would be. And you plug that guitar in and you crank it and start playing. Now, I didn't know anything about guitar pedals and and effects then, but that little amp had two knobs, one for clean, one for gain, um, and it had a little bit of distortion. And, And when I would play that guitar, that amp would literally bounce around the floor. It'd be shaking, uh, vibrating because there was really nothing to it. Um, but to me, that was heaven, right? That was that was me making music. I was I was pushing the strings and making making music and exploring and you know thinking about the musicians that that I listened to on the radio and how I could be like them. And uh, you know, I think that's really where my journey had had officially begun. Was I, I received that guitar? I started playing with my friends. We had our band. We were I'm sure we were awful. I think, like most musicians, when you're playing guitar and playing in a band, it doesn't matter. You don't notice how awful you are. You just you're in a moment and you love it. And you know, I've really grown from there. Uh, I went on in, you know, middle school and high school. I played the saxophone. Uh, I played the cello for a year or two. I uh, played with my band more and more, of course. And 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 we had kind of an interesting group, actually, we all played a couple different instruments over time. And so, um, my two, but all of us had very, very different tastes in music as well. And so, as, a, as an early cover band, I mean, we would play all sorts of music, I mean, from Simon and Garfunkel to, you know, Credence Clearwater Revival or um, Nirvana, or I mean, just all over the place. And uh, we started learning different instruments as well. And so, when we actually had sets and we would play concerts, you know, we may be playing different instruments for every song. You know, I would bounce from playing the guitar to singing, to playing a little bit of drums, to playing the bass guitar. I mean, we just, it was just like a shuffle, right? After every song, we would shuffle and, and hand the instruments off and grab the next instrument and and play the next song. And, you know, it was an experience. Um, I really grew to love music of of all kinds, and it really has shaped my life for who I am today.
0: You've played all these different instruments. Is there one that you gravitate towards most? Is it the guitar, or do you have a favorite even?
1: Oh, man. You know, as I've grown older, um, I've done a lot of producing with bands and others, and so um, I, I would... Honestly, I would say I'm a master of no instrument. I dabble a little bit in everything, and you know, I, I know a little bit, and and I really enjoy it that way. I, I love exploring, but um, you know, where I I think where I feel most comfortable is I'm really a, a rhythm guitar player, uh, and I love the feeling of having an acoustic guitar and just singing. I mean, just kind of a, a solo act a lot of times. Um, there's a lot of freedom, and there's just there's just a sound character to an acoustic guitar that. Uh, you know, it really can't be beat in a lot of ways. So that, that's where I feel most comfortable, but I love getting into everything.
0: You like playing around, you know, if you haven't played an instrument before, you're like, you know, I should try that. <laughs> you're one of those people that I'm the same way. I'm the same way. If I yeah. haven't, if I haven't tried it, I'll try it. I'm probably going to be terrible at it, but I want
1: to try it. <laughs> well, it's important that we try things, right? Um, exactly. You learn a lot. I mean, you fail. It's it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if you yep. fail, it's okay. Right. Because yep. you learn and you grow and you, you find what, you enjoy and you, you find new talents that you didn't know you have and you can explore that even further. So, um, you know, I work with musicians in the community and, uh, you know, even my own kids. I've got a couple kids and uh, these are young kids and, um, you know, they express interest every now and again. One of my sons loves to pull out my old alto saxophone and he has no idea what he's doing, but he loves to try and play it and uh, another wanted to learn the trumpet so it's like let's borrow a trumpet let's give it to you for a week and see what happens and it's 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 great to explore music music is powerful
0: is is there a um a, a genre that you would like you used like you said you kind of jump all around but is there something that you gravitate towards more or that you even listen to more that would be your your top or some artists that you really find inspiring even
1: yeah you know um I think like many of us it really depends on the mood uh, But I really enjoy listening to, and I really grew up listening to a lot of emo and screamo Mm. and (laughs) hard rock. (laughs) And and there's just something about, you know, listening to some incredible bands, um, you know, performing that way that um, it just, there's so much emotion in my, in my opinion, so much emotion. and, um, And, and, and that always, it helps me to calm down, you know, when I need uh, need to calm down, it, it helps to, it might sound counterintuitive, but it helps to to uplift me and get me motivated when I'm having a down day. So, uh, you know, I, I love a lot of that style of music. But uh, I will say, you know, some of my, my earliest heroes, you know, over the years were uh, uh, Damien Rice. Um, and he he had a group with uh, Lisa Hannigan and Vivian Long, um, more of this acoustic folk, kind of pop rock kind of style. And uh uh that really shaped me for many years especially all through my high school years um i loved the sound of what they did and you know ultimately coming out of high school i formed another band um called Saraseno and uh, that's what we did right i i played acoustic guitar and sang uh, i had another girl that played guitar and sang and uh initially it was my cousin that played cello and we were kind of a three part kind of acoustic rock group and um and, uh, it was really because of my experience for, with Damien Rice and the music that he put out. And I, I'm still a big fan today. Uh, but you know, anything, anything acoustic, I love listening to acu- acoustic, you know, pop and, uh, folk music as well. So I, I don't know. I, I, I like it all. I, there, there's certain, there's certain genres that I, I can't really uh, identify with as well as others, of course. But, um, but I, I do love the sound of instruments. Um, uh, I would have to say there's a lot of electronic music and other music that that is fantastic and it, it certainly has its place in, in the world of music. But um, I think I identify more with the tangible instruments and just that raw sound of you know throwing an overdrive pedal in front of a you know guitar and, and letting it you know, wail and uh, you know tracking even you know from from my production experience I'm just tracking drums and, and just everything live. It, it it's really where. I feel more energy.
0: You know, you're you're speaking my language. I came up with a lot of emo as well and mm-hmm. like punk, punk, pop, pop, punk or whatever oh, yeah. back in the day. Like those were, that's where I started. Sum 41 was like oh, a yeah. huge turning point for me in like Three Days Grace and those kind of bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it does seem counterintuitive to people who don't kind of realize it when you're like, no, but there's just, they, you know, it really uplifts me. And they're like, but they're screaming at you. How does that <laughs> uplift you? It's like, no, really, it just... It makes me happier. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, it's it's funny how that works. But what kind of turned from you know playing music and being in bands and that kind of stuff, and and made you interested in getting into the actual production side of things and recording? Like, where did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, it was in these early days. You know, uh, when I was probably about fifteen or so. Um, you know, my band had, we'd been playing for about two years, and we were, I'm sure we were still awful, but. Um, I started writing music at that point, and my, my, my two best friends, you know, they loved covers and loved playing all this music, and I, I started to, you know, see music through a little bit different lens. I started to write my own music, and then I started having an interest in, uh, what do we do next? I've written this music, now what? And uh, my buddy and I, we ended up purchasing an old uh, two two-channel Cassette tape recorder, <laughs> and it wasn't anything uh, anything crazy, but we saved our money. We bought that recorder, and uh, I remember spending time in his basement. We would we would both plug in our guitars, or plug in two different instruments, or a guitar and vocals, and uh, it was magic, right? I mean, that was our first experience recording. Um, I mean, truly recording from from an audio production uh, side, uh, where we would just record, and then we would rewind the tape and record another layer on top of it and doing overdubbing it was it was an experience and it started to open my eyes into what you know what the possibilities were and um you know I I I was actually thinking of this just this morning um you know early years I remember carrying around a tape player and I would I would record you know you'd hear a uh, a song on the radio, and I would push record on this tape player, just a battery-operated tape player, and record it straight out of the speakers from the stereo, or uh, a TV, you know, we're watching an episode of, of something on television, and I would record it because you want to hear it, or just talking to yourself in this recorder. Uh, so, it, it's interesting how it affects you, but when it came to music, that's where it just it opened up a lot of doors. You know, my later years of high school, uh, I started uh, investing into some equipment, um, and this was... And this was years ago. This was kind of early to mid two thousands, but um, I think it was Cakewalk. I think Cakewalk was the first package. I went to a guitar center and I, I bought a recording package. Again, not really knowing what I was doing, but uh, I think I had Cakewalk at the time and a, just a cheap, you know, condenser mic and a stand and cables and so forth. And uh, you know, at that time, I started sitting down and, and kind of understanding that whole recording process, how it works, and. Uh, uh, made a lot of mistakes, like many of us do. I mean, um, I didn't really know what I was doing and, you know, running a guitar, uh, electric guitar through DI, and it was just all distorted and, and just not done correctly. <laughs> but uh, but it was an experience. And uh, I remember putting together my music that I had written. I started recording it. And um because I wanted to share it. I wanted to share it with others and share it with our band and have, a, uh, you know, their experience as well. And, uh, you know, that's what really started it. I think uh, it was just mostly for myself because I had I had this vision of, you know, writing music and recording that music and sharing it with friends and family and, and getting feedback and, you know, wanting to be this rock star. And, um, you know, over the years after that time, you know, I, I invested in more equipment and and became, you know, Little more proficient at it, understood some of the mistakes that i I was making that i didn 't know early on uh, but i would I would work with local bands here and there never never as a business, more you know as a hobby but uh, I would say about you know f- five to six years ago, um, I made a move so I, I grew up in the state of Utah, uh, born and raised, and uh, made a career move uh, out to Mississippi. And, uh, Mississippi is a very uh, musically inspiring state. Um, it was, it was a, a very interesting cultural experience for us, you know, coming from, from Utah across the country is very different, uh, but, uh, very musically rich. And, uh, you know, as soon as I arrived, I knew I'm going to set up my studio. We're going to do this right. Uh, I'd had all this experience before, but we're going to do this right. And, uh, set up my studio. It, it was a, uh, a project studio built out of my home, but we were fortunate enough to have a, a pretty decent sized space where I could build it out um, and, uh, you know, take on clients. And uh, I ran that for about five years up until recently. And, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into production. I don't think we've ever made it or we, we suddenly know all there is to it. I think our whole lives will will continue learning all the mistakes we make along the way. But um, you know, it was a an incredible experience. You know, running that studio, just working with local bands and a lot of singer songwriters that you know they don't know what they need to do. They just know that they wrote these lyrics and they can sing and they want to record a song. So a lot of a lot of production and. Uh, work them and, and kind of building the songs between us or bringing in session musicians to, uh, to record drums or record other parts. And, and it was, it was really neat. I, I had the experience of working with a lot of different genres, a lot of country, a lot of southern rock, folk music, uh, pop music as well. And we did have the, uh, you know, the phone calls every now and again where, uh, you know, there was what, there was one day I got a phone call from Simon and Schuster, you know, publishing, uh, from New York City and, uh, they had a local, you know, author that, I mean, wh- where I lived, Oxford, Mississippi is a, a literary uh, kind of milestone there in, in the United States. And, um, and so there's a lot of authors and a lot of uh, uh, university professors there at Ole Miss and others that would have works that they would record through audiobooks. And uh, anyway, I got this call from Simon and Schuster, and they wanted me to record audio for this audiobook for one of their professors there. And, um, my first foray into audiobook recording, and it was, uh, it was great. It was a wonderful experience. It was completely different from anything I had done before and, uh, much more, uh, mentally and emotionally draining, I think, than any other recording sessions before, just because of the, uh, the attention to, uh, detail there. But, um very cool experience. And from that, you know, I had some other opportunities to do some audiobooks, uh, The New Yorker and and Recorded Books and some other companies as well. And, uh, you know, we ended up shutting the studio down as we moved uh, back west, closer to family and, and friends uh, back in Utah again. Uh, that was more recently. But, uh, you know, my last project in the studio before we shut it down was uh, there's a very uh, influential uh, woman in our community um, through social and other means. And she uh, was working with a major network on, on building a pilot for a television program. And they needed to do voiceover work uh, for their their pilot episode. And uh, so uh, I was fortunate enough to have her in and work with her on, again, kind of a, a whole different world of, of recorded, Very similar to audiobooks, but uh, a whole different world. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the whole experience has been absolutely incredible. You know, starting with my own passion projects, moving up through, I mean, a... a I mean, at least in our community, a fairly reputable uh, recording studio taking clients and working a lot with you know, individuals who are learning, you know, their first experiences in recording or even others that are coming back for their second or third or fourth album. It was a it was a very interesting experience and, uh, uh, and I look forward to continuing those experiences into the future.
0: I think the whole thing about recording in itself is people want to share their stories, whether that's through music, whether that's through voiceover work, whether that's through audiobooks, anything like that. It's their outlet for their creativity and their stories of whatever... That might be, they want to put that down and, and share it. And it's really cool to be in that experience with them and kind of guiding them along the best way for them to share their stories. Is there a, a, a type of recording that? Um, you do more prominently now. Uh, do you do a lot of a lot more music work? Or are you still doing a lot of audiobook work or, or voiceover work or <laughs> anything else?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, I I enjoy the process. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's music or audiobooks or, or whatever it may be. I, I love seeing the audio come to life in whatever, whatever format it may be. Uh, I would say that uh, my passion is really music. Um, you know, I would take on audiobook projects and other projects, but but ultimately, uh, I love working with bands and what i what I really love is uh, working with new artists that you know they've got this vision and they've written a song, and like like I said before, they don't know what they need to do. All they know is, I need to go to a studio so I can record it. It's it's so fulfilling to me to work with them and and help kind of open their eyes a little bit and say look this is like this is the road you're going down for one, right? It's not easy. It's going to be difficult, but um but it's it's very rewarding. Um but I love working with those kind of artists who, you know, they record them and then we're talking about, you know, here's how you distribute your album and here's here's how you market yourself as a brand and as a musician and the next steps and you know some of that coaching side i i really enjoy that side of uh, working in in music and i think i i would i would definitely take that over audiobooks and other forms of uh recording any day how did you discover
0: that you liked doing that side of things because typically for like an engineer or a producer That's not necessarily what they do. They can kind of help guide artists in that direction and go, you know what, you should talk to this person or do that. But how did you discover, did you start trying to figure out how to do it and go, hmm, I actually really like this, like the business side of things a bit more as well. Like obviously the passion and, and, you know, you love making the music, but when you discover that other side of it and go, I actually really like business side of this stuff too. Maybe I'll help people with that. How did you come across that?
1: Yeah. You, you know, it, it's probably odd because creative types generally enjoy the creative side. And, and we, we tend to neglect sometimes the business side, the organizational side, because it's, it's not as sexy. It's not as appealing, right? You know, I don't know what it is about me, but, uh, I, I, I love organization. I love creativity. Uh, but I have always been a very organized and, and passionate person. And, um, you know, I, the only thing I can think of is, you know, from a very young age. I mean, when I was 10 years old, my father helped my older brother and I start our first business. And my brother and I ran that business and we were, we were kids, right? But man, you know, we could have a paycheck and we, we could make money as kids doing uh, this, uh, a summer kind of seasonal business. And, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, i think from my youth about you know how do you how do you manage a business how do you market a business how do you manage employees uh you know payroll i mean those kind of things uh, it was all a part of a big part of my youth for about 6 years you know i went to uh to school i didn't go to school for music unfortunately but i uh, i was always involved all throughout my education in music but uh i went to school and and got my degree in marketing and business administration and i think i've just always been drawn to small business to, you know, startups to that environment. I, I love seeing, you know, something start from scratch and thrive and grow. And and it's really not too much different than music, I don't think. But, you know, when it comes to the music side, I, I don't really know what it is about it. But I love the business side. I love the growth side. And uh, I do love to help other individuals understand, you know, the bigger picture and, and see those steps that they could take to grow their own brand, to grow their own you know, business, as you will, these musicians or artists uh, is is kind of this case in point. But um, I don't know where it comes from. I I, I think it's just been a big part of my life ever since I've been young. It's interesting because, uh, as you
0: said, artists are businesses. If they want to actually take it somewhere and not just be a hobbyist, which is totally fine. Hey, we all you know, there's plenty of those out there. And that's amazing. But if you want to take it somewhere and actually put music out and try and get heard by people you don't know, and it's 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 a much more business mentality, you right. know, and I don't think people think about that. And like you said, a lot of creative types are very, they want to be creative and they don't think about the business. They don't want to think about the business. They just aren't wired that way. Who, who knows what it is, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. you, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I love, business in general and business in terms of music and like that whole side of things I find very fascinating. That kind of leads right into now you have Cenido software. How did that come to be? Obviously now, you know, you, you're in music, you like business. How did you kind of come to this realization that, hey, this is a piece of software, this is a tool that doesn't exist in this capacity? This is like, how did you get to that point of going, I'm going to start a software company for the music industry? How, how did that come together?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so, Sonido Software is, uh, like you said, it is a business management platform for audio professionals, uh, very specific to uh, our niche industry, to Recording studios, producers, audio engineers—I mean, any of these individuals that want to manage their studio business side, quit neglecting that and manage that more effectively—we um, help with that. We we can talk about that more in a moment. But you know, where did it come from? Uh, I would say uh, to to lead into this, you know, my professional background in in marketing and business administration. I've been in uh, in technology for over ten years, um, and. I think the idea came from two things. I mean, in part, it came from my uh, my my experience, my background in technology, and and helping to build platforms that drive business. Uh, But but more specifically in the music space, it really came from my own recording studio. Uh, That the kind of short version of the story is, you know, I ran my own recording studio, and I very well knew of the. the benefit, I mean, how it was working well, uh, but also the limitations of my studio and like, like a lot of recording studios, uh, regardless of their size, uh, I was cobbling together any number of apps or, or web applications trying to build what I thought would be a good business workflow. And when you think about it, I mean, from a business, You've got to effectively manage your leads. When somebody, especially in a studio setting, somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I want to record an album. You don't want those to fall through the cracks. You want to keep track of who they are. What's their contact information? Your ongoing communications. Eventually, those are going to convert to a project and you're going to be working that project and documenting where are we at? What do we have to do? You know, what are the client's wishes or needs? And there, there's so much to it. And, and, you know, at the time with my own studio, I was using I'm uh, probably five or six different apps at a time, uh, trying to manage the leads and manage communications and manage uh, file uploads and file, you know, delivery to clients and all of these different tools that are very common to us in the music space today. The challenge is this, and this is really where it started breaking down for me is, um, you know, we use integration platforms like Zapier or others, and uh, and they work very well for what they are until they don't. And I spent countless hours, whether it was my, uh, you know, fault of my own or not, I spent countless hours fixing broken integrations between platforms. Um, You know, I'd have, you know, four different platforms, and I'm supposed to be transferring contact information from one to the other and back and forth so I can avoid double and triple entry. Um, Well, the reality was that every now and again, they would break. And I wouldn't even know and I'd be missing leads or missing information because of this broken integration and spending hours trying to fix it so that my system would jive again. And um, it just wasn't working. It was too complicated. And and really, it was there was one specific day when I was battling this and um, I had a phone call from a new, you know, potential client, a prospect, and I'm trying to document their information and the integrations broken. And I was just like, it's not working. Uh, This in theory, this is a great idea, bring together all these individual specific apps into one solution and and run with it. The reality was it wasn't working. It wasn't as effective as we would think. And, and even then there were, there were gaping holes in the process. There were still, you know, needs that I had as a recording studio that these generic solutions just, they simply couldn't fill because they're sold to the masses. They're not specific to our industry. And, um, Speaking with that prospect, I kind of had a light bulb moment that that day, and this was probably back in about 2017. Um, I realized um, there's a better way. Other industries have solved these problems and they're doing very well. I've solved these same problems in other industries. There's, there's a better way. And, uh, you know, that was the very beginning of my journey. I started meeting with Studios all over the country. Uh, I initially, here in the United States and, and even Canada, uh, broaden that across you know to the UK in time as well. But I started making introductions with studios, uh, project studios like my own, or commercial studios, or others, and uh, and I started to see some very similar patterns among everyone. It didn't matter how large or how small the studios were. Most studios didn't have a good solution, and uh, and they were hungry. They they realized there were pain points in their process, and they didn't know how to fill them. But uh, w- one of them that that is most notable. This was a uh, studio that um, is on Music Row uh, in Nashville, a very rep- reputable studio actually, and. Um, you know, we sat down together and, and talked about their business process, their business workflow. And uh, the studio manager there, a good friend now, uh, he he just laughed about it. He said, you're not going to believe it, but we use QuickBooks as if it's a CRM. I mean, that's where all of our contacts are. We almost use that as a CRM and uh, we're using Google Calendar and we're missing out on a lot of other opportunities. But I mean, that's what we've done. We don't know any different. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, after I I spoke with a a number of these uh, studios and just kind of doing some research to see what are people doing, what are they looking for, we started uh, building uh, a solution, Uh, started building the idea and, and frameworking this whole solution that would basically take place of all of these cobbled together apps, build a solution where a studio can more simply and more effectively log into one single web platform manage their entire business workflow from one platform and get out of all the complication and, and in some cases save money, you know, at the same time. Um, and uh, you know, we rolled this out as a beta platform among, you know, we, we identified certain markets, you know, between the commercial studios, freelancers, project studios and others. Uh, we rolled it out as a beta solution, we had tremendous feedback uh, and adoption on that and uh, you know, it's really grown from that point. We we launched Sonido Software as a business management solution in the audio production space uh, the end of 2019. And it's been incredible. I mean, the feedback we've got from these studios is, is amazing.
0: For studios, for this business in general, we need specific tools. We need specific things that maybe some other businesses don't. Um, and we need certain things even labeled the right way that makes sense to creative brains because most of the people in studio businesses are creative to some capacity they got into it because they like music most Mm -hmm. of the time Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same workflow like i've worked from for studios that are like the top of the you know top of the industry all the way to freelancers and i've worked through all of the different levels and the overall business of it is the same needing to manage leads needing to organize things needing to deliver files and get feedback and you know manage your projects just all of it is the same no matter whether you're the biggest studio in the world or the you know a, a small freelancer just getting started
1: it's so true right and and not all of it is specific to music i mean managing leads you can use any solution to manage leads it's it's just about keeping on top of that but um but you're absolutely right. I mean, in the music space, we do some things very differently. And that's that's been part of our core focus with Sonido, right, is let's bring these solutions in um, so we can manage our business effectively. But we also have some of these tools that are very specific to our space. I mean, studios have run very successfully with generic CRMs and other solutions, and they certainly can. Uh, but, you know, in my experience, I was using generic solutions. And I didn't have a good solution for sending files to my clients to review. I didn't have a good solution for delivering files. I mean, you can use you know, WeTransfer or other solutions, but they, they're just not quite working right. And then, you know, you've got to use all of these different platforms and logins. I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to overcome. I would say if, if we look at the biggest value that Sonido provides to studios today, there's, there's basically three pillars, right? Number one is organization. Uh, we strive to help studios, uh, regardless of how tech savvy or 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 business savvy they are. We help them to get organized within one single platform they organize all of their business requirements and then once they 're organized, the second pillar is efficiency. Uh, I strongly believe that if you 're organized and and you're you're keeping tabs on all of your You know, business requirements, business needs, um, you can run more efficiently. And when you're running more efficiently, that leads to that third pillar, which is growth. Um, if you are working projects more effectively. If you as a business look more professional because of you know the tools and the systems that are helping you along the way, uh, you have opportunities for growth, whether that's more projects or revenue or both. At the end of the day, all of us want to build a business doing what we are passionate about in music. If we can be organized and efficient, we can make more money and we can be more profitable. And at the end of the day, that's what that's what we're trying to help studios do is be organized, be efficient, grow their studio, and be more profitable.
0: You know, you started this just over a year ago, and now the world has had one of the weirdest years (laughs) (laughs) in recent history. How has it been uh, growing a a software company like this during this time? Has it actually been um, good because so many smaller freelancers, smaller studios are now needing A solution because they're stuck at home, so they actually have time to dig into figuring out a better solution. What's been the the positive upsides and also the challenges of of growing this during this strange, strange time?
1: (laughs) Yeah, those are those are good questions, you know. And um, you know, we are as a company, as Sonido, we're living through it just like you know studios in our industry are. It's been it's been really hard and really sad to see some of the struggles that came out of. You know, early last year, the quarantine efforts and a lot of studios had to close their doors, and they didn't know when they'd be opening them again. And, and we we empathize with them. I mean, we we know where they're coming from, and that that was a real challenge. And unfortunately, you know, as the year progressed forward, as a society, we were we were progressing forward, and still you know able to function you know better than before but I completely understand the challenges it, it it certainly impacted us you know this is a very tight knit industry i think th- through you know the the past year going through covid we we had just launched right we had some big plans for the year and, uh, you know, some of these came kind of crashing down and we had to pivot and figure out a new direction in a lot of ways. But um, one thing that we wanted to hold true on was we are here to help studios better their business, whether their doors are closed and they're focusing on bettering their business, you know, building business processes, or whether they were still running as, you know, online mixing or mastering engineers um, and still fortunate enough to continue work or even have more work, right? Uh, we wanted to be there for these studios to help them manage their business. And, uh, you know, we had some different campaigns where we were offering extended periods of of these tools, you know, of Sonido for free for studios to take advantage of during those months to... Um, to better their business, to work on their business during those difficult times, and uh, I, I think that it, it went a long way to to try to be there. You know, just to show that we're we're here for you, and it's not always about financials and about making money. It's about you know building relationships and and being there for one another, and that's that's been a big thing for us, regardless, but especially during COVID times. Uh, but you know what was really interesting to see was that um, yes, the the opportunities that we had expected were. We're slowing down during you know, the COVID months, the heavy COVID months, but um, uh, we were still seeing a lot of studios reaching out with interest in building their business and and in running their business. So it was very positive for us. We definitely saw some growth over the past year, and uh, you know we're really excited to to continue that growth. And, and you know, one other area that I that I'd point out is uh, another area that we pivoted within was on the educational side. You know, come you know March. Last year, right before things exploded, at least here in the United States, we, we were setting up meetings with universities and music institutes to uh, start talking about our educational partnership program that we have for educators. And... Uh, It was literally the week that we were starting all of our conversations with different universities that all the universities started shutting down, right? Everyone was shutting doors. It was the worst, absolutely worst timing that you could imagine. But, you know, since that time, we were able to start restructuring that program. And, uh, you know, this is another kind of service that we offer is we partner with different universities and music institutes in providing... Uh, these tools, the Sonido platform to students so that while they're going through their educational experience in these audio production programs, they can learn about the tools that are available in the market today and they can take advantage of these tools at no cost to them. You know, at no cost to university, no cost to the students, they take advantage and, and they can learn how to build a music business, you know, for when they when they graduate or, or some of them were already, you know, running a studio. Uh, so, we've done those partnerships and we teach workshops in the educational space talking about technology, music technology today, uh, not just Sonido, but, you know, all sorts of technology that help them to better their their career into the future. So, uh, you know, there's there's different ways we've had to pivot, for sure.
0: Has there been a tool that you've found within the Sonido software and within things that you're teaching that people don't really realize they need until you tell it to them or show them that it's there like lead management uh, or, or time tracking like I know a lot of creative types a lot of songwriters, a lot of artists don't really realize that they need to like manage, like actually track their time for, for billing. Sometimes they just kind of do it and go, well, I guess that took me f- five hours or two days or like, they don't think about it in that same sense. Is there is there something like that maybe that that you've noticed that people don't realize until they see it in the software and go, oh man, that's so handy. And I didn't even think about the fact that that was like a pain point or, or something that I needed to do, especially with, you know, people who are being educated and learning about this obviously you can get in early on their career as well which mm-hmm. is nice but is is there something like that, that that you've noticed?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um uh, absolutely. I think um our industry is is really interesting, right? Because uh you know, we've we've certainly as audio engineers and producers and uh, you know, audio professionals, we have leveraged tools to manage our business um, in the past, but to date, there really hasn't been a standard solution that uh, that brings a lot of these tools into a, a more intuitive pack, you know, into a more intuitive package. So I would say uh, there's a lot from just managing project details from start to finish. I mean, we we may be a one man or one woman, you know, studio operation, and we may think we understand everything that's going into each project, but. Uh, well, maybe I'm the only one, but you know, when I'm running multiple projects at a time, I start to forget some of the the information, you know, the takeaways, the, you know, what did the artist say about this or that? And uh, without documenting that, we lose sight of it, and we miss a big opportunity there to serve our clients. Um, so, documentation and managing projects is a big one that that we help studios understand the value of documenting you know what did we do today in a session let's document that what are we doing tomorrow what what equipment does the artist want in the next session you know what microphones any of those kind of details we make it really easy to document that but you know i would say in in further response to your question the absolute best selling point for sonido is our file review module for managing the process of sending clients mixes and receiving feedback. And if you think about it, at least with, you know, most studios that we talk to, this is one of the biggest pain points they have in the the entire process. They have a good handle on a lot of things, but what we tend to do as, you know, audio professionals is we, we put all of our heart and, and time and effort into building these incredible mixes. And then we upload them to Dropbox. And then we send them to a client and we invite them to send us countless emails back and forth and text messages and phone calls. And we're getting, you know, messages on Facebook and Instagram and 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 most of the time it's across all of these channels at the same time. It's chaos. And um, you know, we can be very organized in how we get that feedback from our mixes and and share and update with our clients. But what what tends to happen is um uh, the client starts having doubt introduced. They wonder, did we correct everything that I asked? Because I asked for a lot of things everywhere. As an engineer, we've compiled all of their feedback from all of these different places. And, you know, we start to wonder, did I get it all? Like, did I correct everything they asked? Like, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It's hard to manage that. You know, from day one, from the absolute you know, first day that we started building out Sonito as a solution, that right there was a solution that we wanted to build because it is very specific to the audio industry. Nobody at the time was doing anything like this. And we wanted to make it easy. We wanted to make it so easy for an engineer to send mixes out to the client through a controlled portal where the client can see all their mixes or listen to all their mixes, provide feedback right there from that same location, manage the different versions of the mixes. Uh, the engineer could see, I mean, it's transparent for everyone. Everyone involved in the process can see all the feedback. They don't have to go look through emails and try to find everything. It's all in one spot. And it makes it so easy for everyone involved to provide feedback, correct any you know revisions, all of that from one place. That by far has been the... Uh, the biggest selling point of Sonido because it is one of the biggest pain points that audio professionals go through today.
0: I find that interesting because of the fact that that is so directly correlated to the creativity part. That's not Mm. trying to invoice. That's not trying to do like when you sit down to do business, you do business. That's fine. That's one thing. But Mm. the feedback on notes is literally the notes on the creative thing that you then sit down to be creative again. And (laughs) that's exactly when your brain is not in you know the business mode or the fixing the solutions mode or anything like that you just want to sit down and feel the song and go okay let me put these notes into action that's that's when you want to be your most creative you know Have you noticed anything through either through the last year or the whole journey of coming up with the software and developing the software and talking to different studios? I'm interested in your perspective on the shift in the music industry, because I was talking to somebody uh, recently about this and we were kind of talking about how nowadays, you know, the, the big studios aren't the only way to record anymore. They used to be. And everybody needed to go to a big studio or really wanted to go to a big studio and and there's a whole you know that that was how you had to do it that's the way the only way to do it to get anything good everything else was home recording but it wasn't you know you'd be doing it so that you could go to a big studio mm-hmm. but nowadays mid-level studios small studios home studios are so much more prevalent which Means that more freelancers can have their home studio to mix in, or have smaller studios that a whole bunch of people get to use because it's a lot more affordable. But I, I want to know your perspective on how that's shifting, and how the big studios and small studios all work together now, as well as the freelancers and what you see as the biggest shift in the studio nowadays, or in the studio industry nowadays, especially from COVID, where people are working from home and actually making good home setups. <laughs> but. Um, yeah what what have you seen?
1: Yeah, you know, and that's that's a really interesting uh change. I think we we've all seen this over the years the the shift on the direction of studios. Now, I, you know, I would say I mean, I have a soft spot for these larger studios. I mean, it's just it's impressive. It's it's a whole experience going into these large studios and you know, it is really uh, it's unfortunate the direction that some of this is taking. Now, we still have some of these larger studios that are excelling, and they're doing a tremendous job today. And, you know, I think they will continue. I mean, there's always going to be a, a need for some of these uh, these studios. Um, so, I don't know that they're all going away, per se. We, we've certainly seen a shift where, you know, a lot of them, unfortunately, have had to close their doors uh, just because of, you know, life and, and the change and this this direction we're talking about, but um, you know, I think it is very opportunistic that we can continue to make incredible music from our living rooms, from our bedrooms, from our you know home studios or project studios. It's it is an incredible change, you know, in, in these times, and you know we we see this all over. I mean, even through it, the the pandemic that's been going on has kind of accelerated some of this change even further. I mean. I've, I've listened to several, you know, podcast episodes with, uh you know, guests, you know, these, these big-time mixers uh, or mastering engineers that are talking about, you know, they've been working out of these large studios for years, and suddenly now they've got their equipment that they've set up in their living room. And it's not like it's a perfectly treated room, and it's not like, you know, it's the ideal environment, but they're able to function. They're able to produce incredible records for their clients, big-name records, uh, even today, from their living rooms. And these are not typical kind of project studio guys and girls, right? Uh, But at the same time, you've got a lot of these uh, very experienced veterans in our industry that have made that shift themselves outside of COVID. They said, you know, it just makes more sense for me to do this from home. I I really do think that uh, when it comes down to it, it's, it's the music and the passion that people have for the craft and the art. And there's a mastery to it. Once you've mastered the craft... Uh, it really doesn't matter where you're making the music. You know how to make the music and you know how to make it sound right. Um, what I do see is this. More than ever before, we have these project studios, these home studios um, of all experience levels that are on the rise. And it's it's very exciting to see this because now suddenly, we've got someone who is is just starting to cut their teeth on the recording or, or mixing process. They're just starting to learn it. And someone who they've idolized, you know, a mixer or a master uh, mastering engineer that they've idolized is doing the same thing as them from their home. And and how how cool is that? That they're saying, look, they're doing it, and they're not in an, in an environment or a space much different than my own, and they're successful. I can do this, right? I can build my career out of this. It's really exciting and and optimistic, I guess, uh, to see these changes and uh, and just know that you know, we can do this. I mean, we can make music from home.
0: You know, I think it was really highlighted uh, and and really brought to the forefront when Billie Eilish did her last record and it came out and it won, it swept the Grammys and right. took all of the awards that could possibly be taken by that record. And it was made <laughs> in their childhood bedroom. And right. the reason that I really like that whole story as well is one, like you said, people can see people they are idolized and see those artists and those engineers and go, I can do that too because they're doing it with the software that I have. I mean, he's using logic with plugins that anybody can buy. They don't have a whole fancy studio. They don't have a bunch of gear. Anybody can do that. And then on the other side of that, it also highlights the way that different levels of the industry work together because they're in their ho- the, in a bedroom recording this record. And then it went and got mixed by somebody who has a nice, not a huge studio, but a decent studio, and mixed it, and they know what they're doing, and they mixed it, and it was mastered by somebody who is, you know, at the top of the game in mastering and stuff like that. So it just also showed as well how the different levels of the, of the industry are kind of being compressed down, and they all yeah. work together much more than I think ever before. Do you, do you see that as the same way? Big studios, small studios, big Freelance guys, small engineers, all all of them, they work together. do you Do you see oh, the yeah. same thing?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we're seeing it more and more. And uh, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, um, you know, the current state of our industry and world. Um, but also, I think technology is a a major player in that, just making it easy for, you know the the small studio to send their mixes to the larger studio for an engineer to take the next steps or do whatever. I think it is interesting, and I, I think you're spot on. Um, it's happening more than ever before, and and it's easier than it's ever been before, and becoming more of a, a standard for sure. Yeah,
0: you know, like you said, there's always going to be a spot for big studios, and we're gonna, you know, they're never going to completely go away because they are. They're an experience. They're amazing. I yeah. have a soft spot for them. I love them. Um, but I, I love the way that the industry is shifting where more people can get in, more people can express themselves and make music at all levels and everybody can work together because like, again, it's a small industry. We all need to kind of work together and with the shift in technology, which you guys are, are frankly at the forefront of, as far as I see it, you know, being able to have these solutions will just make the industry shift and prosper in that and be even, even better than it is right now. I think right. we're in a shifting thing where people are going, Oh my God, the, you know, the, the big studios are closing what's going on. But I think it's, it's just a change at the moment. And eventually yeah. everybody's going to go, ah, I see what we can do now moving forward, you know? Uh, and I love that. I love that we can do that
1: now. And and it, and it is interesting just to, you know, share another point there as these changes happen, You know, there's more innovation that takes place and ultimately there's new ways that we we don't even comprehend now that are going to make our lives easier as music lovers, as musicians, as, you know, audio professionals. I mean, there are new technologies that because of what we're going through today and some of the advantages of of our situation today, uh, it's going to make things even better and move forward even faster and help us to collaborate more easily and, and have new opportunities for, uh, you know, in so many different ways. Uh, so I yeah, I, I share that that thought with you. I mean, I think it's it's incredible. And it's super exciting to see all of this move forward.
0: I'm a very optimistic person and it sounds like you are too, where it's like, let's see the bright side of this and keep <laughs> marching in that direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, to end off here, I would, I would love to know what is next for Sunito? What do you see as a future with this shift in the industry, with this shift and everything that's happening and also just what you see as goals and ambitions for the company and for the software moving forward? What do you, do you hope to do in the next, five years?
1: Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot that we want to do. And every month, we're releasing new updates and new enhancements and features to help studios to even better manage their business. And we, we don't really have plans to stop that anytime soon. Uh, very excited about the new opportunities. I would say our focus really is on serving studios and and helping to make their lives easier in, in any way we can. Uh, we meet with our Internal clients, um, we listen to them and hear, you know, what needs do they see in the industry? Um, what needs are are we not feeling today as a company? And how can we start to fulfill those needs to help them, you know, have a better experience not only on our platform but in managing their business? You know, in the next five years, uh, you know we we are really pushing to become a standard in the industry. A you know maybe not, you know, adoption across every studio, but at least, you know, the understanding that there are better ways to manage your studio business. And if you want to take advantage of these tools, you know, there's a simple intuitive solution that can help you do so. You know, we want to be known as that, that standard, that, that solution and that, you know, that friend in the industry that can help you. Build your business. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, we, we are serving studios. We've got these educational partnerships that we're working through. Um, we're excited to you know look into any new, you know, innovative opportunities that are out there. We've got some ideas in the future that we won't quite release yet, but um, we want to continue to you know innovate and build solutions that that both the the industry is looking for and maybe new ones that you know, no one has has really been thinking about yet. And I think we're really on track to do a lot of that over the next, you know, three to five years. So very excited to see where the, the direction of the industry goes and very excited to be a, a core part of that as we serve the studio community. So my last question for you that I have is, if you had
0: one thing to tell a up and coming freelancer or smaller studio or something that would make their business better and not you know, go get Sunito because obviously that right. would, would help a lot. Um, but one thing that maybe they're not doing that you think they definitely should be looking at that, or, or something that you find a lot of these smaller studios don't realize they need to do right now. What is it that you see that, that would be one thing that they could start today to really help them move forward.
1: Yeah. I, the one thing that I would recommend or suggest to a new engineer or someone just getting into the audio production space is to not be afraid to build your network, get to know other people and not ask for anything in return. Uh, we start to get to know other people and we have opportunities to serve them in different ways, again, without asking for anything in return. Um it really shows our character and it can help us to uh, see new opportunities down the road. I think there's so much value in uh, getting to know your local music community, get to know the musicians, you know, put on an open mic night or a battle of the bands, uh, not to make money yourself, but just to get to know them and provide a service, give them opportunities to perform and, and you know, hone their craft without really asking for anything in return. Uh, Get to know other engineers. They're not necessarily competition. You can learn so much from others that have so much experience. Just reach out, ask them if you can get to know them and, and, you know, take them out for coffee or, or, or what, what have you. But I think the more that we can branch out and, and not isolate ourselves so much, but branch out and get to know other people and be a resource and help and give advice and just be a friend. I think it makes a huge difference, not only for those whose lives we're touching, but also for ourselves because at the end of the day, if we serve, it's it's inevitable. We'll receive, you know, the same attention back at different points when we need it most. So don't be afraid to, to get to know others and, and expand your network and make more friends.
0: I a hundred percent agree. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. And this has been, this has been really great. I look forward to all of the, all the things that you guys are doing over at Sneedo and Um, all the things that you guys are offering and, and helping people grow their business as it's something that's so important for people to be able to make a living doing something that they love. So, uh, that's, that's really great. And where people, where can people find you or, or anything that's, that's on the horizon and that you want to shout out, um, that people can, can go check out.
1: Yeah, Alex, thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure getting to know, uh, you over time and, uh, being a part of this, uh, this journey and this discussion with you, uh, to learn more about Sonido software, uh, Visitors, you can you can visit us at mysonido.com or just look up, you know, studio management software and you should be able to find us on a Google search. But uh, we look forward to connecting with others and, and sharing experiences with with all these different studios. So please feel free to reach out at any time.
0: Awesome. And I would just uh, I also want to say I I do love your um, the story of a studio I thought it was just video, but apparently it's a podcast as well. So you can check it out there too. But I love, I love what you're doing there with the, with the studio, uh, story of a studio. So I think you have some great, some great things. And it, and it goes right in with your point of, um, you know, getting to know your community and just networking with them and, and, and being able to give them some exposure as well as just learning about them. So I think that's great. And, and anybody listening, go check that out. It's, it's on the web, Suniva's website as well, right?
1: You can find it on our website, or you can look up Story of a Studio uh, on any podcast streaming service. Um, you can also find us on YouTube under Story of a Studio.
0: Awesome. Yeah, go check that out. All of the links to all this stuff will be in the show notes, so you can go check that out at aniccreates.ca slash podcast and just find this episode, so go check that out. Thank you so much, Brady, for your time. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you, Alex. Take it easy.